Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. This week we are going to consider a real-life example of Agile at work in no less a place than legendary computer manufacturer IBM. A recent article from the Wall Street Journal describes how IBM Chief Information Officer Jeff Smith wants to use Agile project management methods at a company where he leads, get a load of this, 20,000 IT employees. Mr. Smith's aim seems to be to bring the speed of small company innovation to a company with, again, get a load of this, 380,000 employees. And Ren, I guess that if this works, it could literally be world-changing, like Steve Jobs and Apple, but even more. Are you optimistic that IBM can pull this off? Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, in that IBM is an organization known for being incredibly successful when they set their mind to doing something. Uh, no, um, my concerns are that it's being led by the CIO. And okay. we've talked about this in previous podcasts that Agile is about business value. Mm-hmm. And organizations that reap the greatest rewards from going to Agile, especially uh, an enterprise effort like what Jeff Smith is talking about, uh, they they do that because it's driven by the business and is usually driven by the CEO or in the cases of companies like American Express where they actually hire a C-suite executive and Agile is their job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other companies have done that as well uh, and have been incredibly successful or it's led by the CFO. There has been limited success one is led by a CIO. And it, it just goes back to basic change management. Um, when it's led by the CIO or anything, uh, change initiative from the IT, mm-hmm. it's you know basically the cart leading the horse. And it doesn't work in organizations and there's you know multitudes of examples and in, in which companies have tried that HP has done it IBM's done it before mm-hmm. uh, 3M's even done it um, financial services has done it all over the place mm-hmm. um, and it's never never worked IT cannot change business practices all by themselves and they have never been able to have a significant impact in culture. Wow. And the biggest thing that needs to happen with an agile change in an enterprise level is the culture needs to change. Leadership behaviors need to change. Mm-hmm. How the company measures itself and defines performance and defines success has to change. And IT, a CIO, can't change any of that and has extraordinarily limited ability to influence any of it.
even in an IT company like IBM. And we can go to Google, you know, a similar effort like this at Google and uh, Twitter didn't come from IT. It came from product management. Yeah, and those are both um, quite large companies as well. I wondered if, if IBM was the the biggest company to try to use Agile that, that you were aware of, is it? Um, from numbers of employees, I would say yes. Um, from market cap, no. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are a couple that are that are bigger, um, but are significantly smaller in employee base. Um, the real metric, I think, the more valuable one is probably em employee base. So mm -hmm. IBM is most likely the largest. Yeah, three hundred eighty thousand. That's a lot of people, and and audacious. And I respect them for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. From the article, it sounds like they've got you know all the tools that are associated with Agile. They do the morning, the stand-up meetings. They have the Skype, the audio-visual aids available and online all day, every day. And end-of-the-week sessions where they review their progress. I just wonder, though, at the scale of something like this inside a company that, you know, unhappily, isn't really known for creativity or outside-the-box thinking how good a fit it is, and I'm curious about what you think. Um, Agile could really help a company like this enormously, and one of the things that, you know, I haven't come out and said outright, but I will in this one, is let's be honest, in the direction that our world is going in, only the Agile will survive. Mm. We're looking out, you know, 10 years or so, 7 to 10 years, and we can already see companies that are not going agile are going to lose competitive advantage. They're actually, we're already starting to see in some, some sectors like financial services, companies that are struggling to just maintain parity mm -hmm. that aren't agile. And I don't want to pick on anybody, um, but those of us in financial services, we know who they are. Sure. We know who the laggers are. And we can see how much they're struggling just to keep up. Mm -hmm. um, where the agile companies, which we've already talked about here, are lapping their competitors. American Express is the biggest example we have, the freshest example, I should say, mm -hmm. that we have right now. Because everybody was given the same opportunity um, by Apple to come out with e-wallet and American Express was first out of the gate. Right. And they're an agile company. They're a scaled agile company. Um, and, you know, that was business-led. It's all about the business value with them. Sure. It wasn't about, it was an IT-led. And the other reason I want to really highlight why this is so important to IBM. And this is where I want to really <laughs> encourage um, Jeff Smith and his C-suite colleagues uh, is that we know um, right now if you want to survive, if you want to be competitive, Agile on a enterprise level doesn't just mean the practices in, that we talk about here in SAFE, mm -hmm. the ceremonies and the governance, 
but it's also about continuously looking at your environment and identifying threats, but also opportunities. But also the cultural shift that Agile asks us to make mm-hmm. is to look at every threat as an opportunity. They're not threats, really. They're a way to step up your game. I see. Hmm. So that's the first one. The second one is to regularly engage in experiments, being willing to just try something out, even if you fall flat on your face. And that's not something IBM's known for. IBM is known for analyzing something to death before they will commit to doing any work. And so that would be a huge shift for them. But when we look at their competitors, they're willing to just try something and see how it works. Another thing that IBM does have as an advantage, the third thing you need is an adaptive business architecture. That's actually something IBM's known for. Mm-hmm. And they actually is a product for them and they sell and have a very strong, well-respected consulting practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, as long as they um, keep that open and um, then, you know, that keep that practice going and keep it internal as well, not just externally focused, their business architecture is going to continue to help them thrive and survive. The last one is one that they have an uneven history with, and that is willing to a willingness to learn radical or what seems radical <laughs> competencies, <laughs> willingness to kind of step outside your box every once in a while and um, try something completely new. Mm-hmm. They've had a history of letting people, p- paying people to go on sabbatical, for instance, and study something completely different than what they do for a living. And those people come back to IBM are, and are refreshed and renewed and have a new way of thinking about their work that enhances their work they're doing. And I want to encourage IBM to to keep that going too um, and maybe institutionalize it on, on more levels. It tends to be an executive park. Yeah, folks at the higher levels, um, and I think that's, that is good advice that give your brain time to get refreshed. We've talked before about change and change management, change communications. Mm-hmm. Help us all grasp the magnitude of taking a company this size from extremely traditional models of software development to agile. The biggest thing is um, I would encourage IBM to uh, stop being (laughs) IBM. (laughs) They have a tendency when it comes to communications to rely on poll communications. Mm -hmm. So the audience has to go and get it. And when you're doing something this radical, that's not going to work. I want to encourage them to rely heavily on push communications, even to the point where you're annoying your employees. Um, They should really work on weekly communications. They should have um, videos in all those weekly communications, Um, you know, including like demos from the teams and um, video messages from the executives, video messages from team members. Um, Really go high, high on the content 
and on the frequency. But also make sure that there is a consistency from leadership at all levels between the message and the, the behavior. This is the biggest breakdown in change management across the board is when the executives say one thing and the organization sees them not changing and doing the old way. Yeah. And that's when we, that's why, I mean, that's the biggest reason why we don't get uh, change adoption. And so I want to encourage IBM leadership, if they're really serious about this, they should hire a coach, maybe more than one coach that is just working with the executives on their verbal and nonverbal communications and making sure that those communications are aligned with this strategy and what IBM wants to accomplish. Yeah, I, that's what's so well said, that actions speak loudly, and um, that's good advice. Now, I don't think, Ren, I don't think the article mentions the scaled Agile framework, but is it reasonable to assume that they're using it or are they using just a whole bunch of agile teams and if that's what they're doing how would that work um i hope they're using some form of enterprise agile because to be honest if they're just using a bunch of agile teams that are um, not scaled and are disconnected they're going to get very 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 limited value. Mm -hmm. And what they'll be successful at is what we call account, you know, the low hanging fruit, mm -hmm. the easy stuff. But as soon as they get into anything that's meaty, um, those teams will just falter and spin and become demoralized. Mm. Uh, one of the benefits to, to scaling as quickly as possible, and we've also talked about this before, is scaling uncovers and reveals systemic barriers to success mm -hmm. very quickly. And that's what, if I was Jeff, that's what I want to um, get to as quickly as possible. Because the sooner you can get to that, the faster you can fix it, and the more you can mitigate the impact to the organization. Right. The less it's going to cost you to resolve it as well. Um, so you wanna scale those teams, um, is it, even if it's, as we said earlier, an experiment. Uh -huh. So we've talked here before about doing the MVP approach that I often suggest with organizations. You do a very focused um, version of SAFE uh, to uncover those systemic barriers as quickly as possible uh -huh. and solve them as quickly and as inexpensively as possible. The reason why I hope they're using SAFE is when we think about the models, so we have Scrum to Scrum, um, Enterprise Lean, and DAD. Mm -hmm. SAFE is the only one that has the case studies and the science behind it and, is, and said, you know, proven to be successful. The other thing that SAFE has is it actually borrows proven um, success techniques from the other three. Huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that's one of the things that's like so great about Agile is the people who created this really did it in a shareware mentality. Mm -hmm. um, so anybody can pick these up and if you understand it and you know how to enact it, you can run with it. But um, sadly, there's a very small group of people who really know 
how to do enterprise right. agile. Yeah, it, and it also kind of seems that the scope of the work IBM is doing with agile that it goes beyond products or software development and you know the MVP model that we've talked about before. Is Agile the right tool for organizational problem solving that's not necessarily related to products? Um, it can be, as long as you're focused on, on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but to be honest with you, and, and I have used it that way, but to be honest with you, um, because Agile is so driven by creating business value, um, it you won't be doing it very long before it starts to kind of, uh, the results start to uh, direct you more to a product-centric model. Um, everything we do in Agile is so focused on customers and making sure that we're providing the best product and services for our customers that the teams just inherently start to pivot that way. Mm-hmm. Even if you have the teams looking at something um, that's very internal, very organizational. So, for instance, I've worked with agile teams to solve infrastructure problems. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of companies that severely underinvested in IT, have been squeezing IT for the last 10, 15 years. Now they have incredibly expensive, overburdened, um, infrastructures where they've got a lot of they got mainframes and they have old servers and they're not in the cloud because they don't have a good services layer. There's all kinds of things going on, and I've helped them spin up agile teams to solve those problems quickly mm-hmm. and cost effectively. And it's funny how those teams, within a few sprints, usually by sprint three or sprint four, are talking about how their work they're doing is going to let the company provide better and higher quality products and services. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, and it's just the, it's just it's just the, in the DNA of Agile. Mm-hmm. So even though they're completely focused on internal deliveries they just inherently start thinking about the customer impact. And that's one of the reasons that I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. IBM says that they want to go beyond engineering to, as what the Wall Street Journal article states, extending beyond engineering to collaboration and even to the point of how you get talent and skills up to speed. How can this work with what you've taught us about Agile? Well, I mean, I'm really glad they're thinking about that already because um, one of the things we're seeing in the marketplace is um, the talented people, the high potentials and the high performers Mm -hmm. are looking and prefer to work at Agile organizations, Hmm. whether they're IT people or marketing people or even accounting people are starting to look at Agile organizations because budgeting and planning is completely different in an Agile organization. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if we should do a podcast just on that but um, yeah. because it's so different. Um, and so I'm glad that they're, they're really looking at that. And we've done a lot of work, we being the Agile community, has done a lot of work on talking about how you onboard people, how you pick people. You've got to be looking for a different skill set, people who are willing to experiment, mm-hmm. as I mentioned before, um, 
in the old world where you're punished for failure, experiments are scary. Oh, sure. Right? But in the new world, they're highly rewarded. And But there's still sometimes a sense of vulnerability. So you want to look for, for talent that is willing to go on on that limb with the organization and do experiments. You want to look for talent that's very well-rounded, um, going away from what actually is known in the industry as the IBM staffing model, um, which is you hire people who have one very strong, specific competency, and they have great depth in it, and no breath. Mm-hmm. So they know one particular type of programming language inside and out, backwards and forwards and upside down. But if you tried, you asked them to do some technical analyst work, they would fall on their face. They wouldn't even know where to start. Right. Right. The modern world is looking for what we call T resources, which are people who have breath mm-hmm. in a few things, in depth in one. And I mentioned earlier those. Um, only the the agile will survive competencies. One or uh, one of those is the the willingness to try radically different competencies um, and explore them. Mm-hmm. And that's something IBM should be looking at too. Are they hiring people who have breadth, right. not just depth? Yeah, it's funny because as you were explaining the T model, I pictured that how that would look in my mind so very good analogy (laughs) now another item from the Wall Street Journal article states it's not good enough to be just a tester you have got to be able to develop a service or an application or maybe run iterations as a project manager or be a business analyst that sounds like the uh, MVP approach to me is it or is there something I missed I think uh, there's two levels to this, right? The first level is as an organization, you have to have this breadth of competencies. And that is totally the MVP approach that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. On an individual level, then we're talking about that team model for the people, the talent you want to hire into your organization who have that breadth mm-hmm. and depth. Um, and I, I kind of like that. I pinged on that quote, too, so it's interesting that you grabbed it, mm-hmm. um, because it has that nuance. Yeah. It. Yeah, it, it did, and uh, it's um, probably not a coincidence, because I learn so much every week getting to talk to you. <laughs> and with uh, the time we have left, Ren, um can you look into your crystal ball for us and and tell us what you think the odds of IBM succeeding with Agile are? Are they good? Are they bad? Is it too soon to know? What? I think it's too soon to know. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, let's kind of quickly re-go, go over what their strengths are. Mm. Um, their strengths are is that it's a very competitive company. They're always looking at their op- their environment um, they're known um, for looking at threats as opportunities and ways they can step up their game. And this is just another example. They're known and they have a long history of having an adaptive business 
architecture, a less adaptive technical architecture at times, but a very mm-hmm. adaptive business architecture. Um, Some of the weaknesses we've mentioned before, this is being driven by their CIO. It's not business driven. And so that has inherent weaknesses when the cart is trying to lead the horse. Some of the things that are unclear is, are they trying to do this themselves? Because I've worked with IBM and I can tell you they don't have the competencies necessary to do this themselves. Um, if they hire a really strong uh, set of consultants who are really focused on helping IBM achieve this in a, in a fairly short, structured period of time mm-hmm. um, and foster IBM's independence, so they're building the skills from within um, and doing the culture change, I could see them being very successful. But at some point, it's also going to have to pivot and become driven by the CFO or ideally the CEO and be a truly enterprise-wide uh, strategy and commitment. Oh, well said. Successful. Well said. And I guess, if nothing else, we can all admire the courage of Jeff, Jeff Smith and and wish him all the best. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to see him be successful. It would be great for everybody. I'd like to see him subscribe to the podcast myself. That too. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Well, just before we go, I wanted to follow up um, from a show we did a couple of weeks ago. It turns out that the ex-wife of Steve Wynn, Elaine Wynn, was ousted from the Wynn Resorts Board of Directors. And I guess, Ren, that this is really a sad commentary on governance at Wynn Resorts, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Is there anything you want to add as a lesson for other folks? Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, don't you wish you were the fly on the wall in that meeting because I'm not sure what the thinking was behind that and I'd really like to know, um, especially as we discussed from a purely uh, stakeholder perspective, it didn't seem like the best move for the organization. No. Um, but maybe to temper down strife, it was what was absolutely necessary. Yeah, and um, and we did predict it. We did say that we thought this was going to happen. We well, thought this is the way the wind was going to blow. Yeah, it, to be fair, you predicted it. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just along for the ride. But no, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, to to keep conflict to a minimum, you know, maybe it was the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. And people who own shares in Wynn Resorts and who visit them. Um, will be the ultimate litmus test of if it was a good move or not. So remember... Well, I think that the real test, though, I want to say, sorry. Sure, no problem. Is whether or not um, the board and the executives can refocus on uh, rebuilding the business value of a company because that's what suffered. Exactly. And that's across the board, right? And that's why we're talking about it, is the negative impact that this has had on shareholders, mm-hmm on employees, and on customers because they've been distracted by what is really noise. And so I'm hoping that um, this will refocus their attention to what the board and the executives are supposed to be doing um, for their employees and for their customers. And we'll uh, continue to follow the story. And um, as 
noteworthy things pop up, we'll share them with you. Now remember that you can stay up to date by following Ren on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Ren? It's at Ren Melberg. At Ren Melberg. Very easy. And subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, or the website, which is wrenmelberg.com. And please come back again next week for more of the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg. Okay, boom, we're out. Sorry about that. No, no, it's it's okay. Um, I kind of went. Wait a minute. No, what it, is it? It's uh, it's fine. It's e- that's an easy fix. Um, don't worry about <laughs> it. But yeah, I mean, it's like somebody asks you what your phone number is, and you instantly forget it. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, um, that's a really good question. What is my phone number? Because I don't call me. Yeah, uh, yeah. My what? <laughs> phone? What's a phone? Well, okay. Uh, well, this was fun, and and um, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of good, a lot of good lines in here that I can uh, lift out and put into print. So I think I think you'll have another winner, and um, kind of like last week, you know. Um, I wouldn't think that finding Jeff Smith's email at IBM would be all that tough um, if you want to reach out to him directly. Not a bad idea. Dear Mr. Smith, I can fix your agile problems for you. Sincerely, Ren Melberg, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to think. It's like, I know, I'm sure... They all follow the same email convention. Of course, he doesn't read his own email. That's probably true. It might be what Jeff they Smith and I usually IBM. have an assistant who sits there and sifts through it, reads their their email for them. Well, because it's usually um, it's usually their first initial last name, but mm-hmm. I mean that's got to be ridiculous. Out of 380,000 people, that there's more than one J. Smith. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine so. Well, um, it's just a thought. and um, But we know IBM's on Twitter oh, heck and yeah. on LinkedIn. Absolutely. So um, I'll do tweets about the right white paper and um, obviously the, the program, and I'll send them to you. And I'm glad that worked. Cool, man. And I will get the blog done. I want to hold off on the case study until I, since I'm waiting um, for uh, my friend uh, Jim to finish his run, you know, his experiment with it. Okay. Let me know. And I might be able to get another person to do an, an experiment too. So. Even better. And um, I know. As the if as they agree to, you know, be guests. Um, We'll sort out the logistics, and but I don't see it's an issue. It'll be, it'll be. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but it's abundantly doable. And I don't have any emergencies planned next week, so <laughs> holler if you need me, or if uh, okay, <laughs> if some other uh, remarkable person from industry reaches out, I I never get tired of good news. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Okay. Well, have a good oh, rest yeah. of your day. All right, you too. And 
I'm sure we'll be in touch during the week. All right. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.